We're in a series called Throwback. Today my title is No More Excuses. Just turn to your neighbor and say, no more excuses. Yeah, no more excuses. You know, school just started back. We're in the back to school season. And since school just started back, I thought I would give you some top excuses for not turning in homework. Here it goes, here it goes. Top excuses for not turning in homework. This, this is an, a, a one that's been used for, for decades now. My dog, yeah, my dog ate it. Here's another one. It slipped out my hand and blew away. That's why I'm late. I was running after it. I left my homework in the back of a pickup truck, and the pickup truck went through a car wash. Ruined my homework. I thought today was Saturday. I didn't realize it was Friday. I got confused about what day it was. Here's one of my favorite ones. My dad forgot to do my homework for me last night. That's not a good one. A little, a little elementary school kid said this, my grandma died again. Again? <laughs> All of us can struggle with making excuses. We have work excuses and we've got marriage excuses, parenting excuses, dating excuses, money excuses. Come on, we have exercise excuses. I'm going to start exercising next month. Come on, we got eating excuses. I'm going to cut out the sugar next month. We got God excuses. Have you ever gave God a great excuse? You know, as you look through the Bible, people gave God all kinds of excuses. This might be the top 10 list of the greatest excuses in your Bible. Eve said, the snake made me do it. Adam said, the woman you gave me made me do it. Esau said, I would have died if I wouldn't have eat that bowl of stew. Naaman said, I can't dip in the water because the rivers back home are cleaner. Moses said, I'm not eloquent of speech. Jeremiah said, I'm too young. Sarah said, I'm too Old. In Luke 14, verse 20, Jesus said one of the excuses why they can't follow him is, I just got married. I can't follow your marriage. God, I'm married now. In Proverbs 22, verse 13, this is one of my favorite ones. It says the lazy person says, I can't go outside because a lion might eat me. Y'all can't make it to work today. A, lion's out, a lion might get me. I, I, this is my favorite. This is the number one excuse in the Bible. I love this one. Aaron said to God, God, I don't know where that golden calf came from. I threw the gold into the fire and out came that calf. Oh, Lord, I don't know how that calf got here. <laughs> you know, people worshiping that golden calf. I, I, I know I have given God so many excuses of why I could not do what God was asking me to do. This list is not exhaustive, but th these are some of the excuses that I've given God in the past. Well, God, you can't use me. I've been sexually abused. God, I've come from a, a broken family. God, I didn't grow up in a pastor's home. I, I don't know the right people. God, I don't have pastoral experience. God, I'm only 26 years old. How could I start a church at 20? Six years old. God, I'm a really, we, we're going to start a church in a movie theater. I don't know if it will work in a movie 
theater. God, I'm too introverted. God, I'm not a good enough leader. God, I'm not a good enough preacher. God, can I really pastor a multi-ethnic church in Oklahoma being a black man? People said, you can't do that, especially on the east side. What excuses are you giving God? A lot of you are giving God excuses of why he can't use your life. Come on, if we're not careful, church, we will become professional excuse makers. And you all have some really good excuses, and I know I do. But here's the problem that we have to address today. The problem with our excuses is they keep us from experience, experiencing God's purpose and his power in our lives. I'm going to say that again. The problem with excuses is they keep us from experiencing God's purpose and God's power in our lives. And I want to look today back at an Old Testament hero. We're in this series called Throwback, and we're looking at Old Testament heroes, and we're bringing back old worship songs. Today we had a Fred Hammond. We sang When I Think About the Lord, one of the classics that I love. And we're looking today at this Old Testament hero who was a professional excuse maker. His name is Gideon. If you have your Bible, would you open it with me to Judges chapter number six? If you have a glow Bible, would you open it up to Judges chapter six? And let's look at God's word today. If you're new with us, we are a Bible preaching, Bible believing church. And we're going to look to God's word today. And it says the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of of the Midianites. Let me give you some context here. So the Israelites were God's chosen people in the Old Testament. And Israel had been in slavery for for over 400 years by the Egyptians. And then God chose a man named Moses and Moses led, led God's people out of slavery in Egypt, and then God led them into this land called the promised land. They were free from slavery. They were free from bondage. But when they got to the promised land, the Israelites turned away from God. They started doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then the Bible says that they fell into bondage to this nation called the Midianites. They were in slavery again, and the Midianites treated them horribly. They were destroying their crops. They were taking away the Israelites' animals. And literally, the Israelites were starving because of the treatment of the Midianites. And the Bible says in Judges 6, verse 6, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Israel cried out to God for help. God, help us. We're hurting. And whenever God wants to accomplish something on the earth, here's the way he does it. Don't miss this. Whenever God wants to accomplish something on the earth, here's how he does it. Point number one, God always chooses and uses people. And God chose Gideon to help a group of people. The story goes on to say in Judges 6 verse 12 about how God chose Gideon. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Verse 14 says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save 
Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And when Israel cried out to God for help, they were struggling, they were hurting, they were in pain, they were starving. God chose a man named Gideon because God uses people to fix problems. God uses people to help people. God uses people to be the answer to someone's prayer. You see, when God wants to do something in a group of people, when God wants to do something in a school, when God wants to do something in a university, when God wants to do something in a church, when, when God wants to do something in a workplace, in a city, or in a state, in a nation, or in our world, God always chooses a person. Whenever people need help, whenever someone needs clothing, needs food, need clean, they need clean water, whenever somebody needs resources, when somebody needs to hear the gospel, when somebody needs salvation, when somebody needs to be discipled, when somebody needs a friend, God always chooses and uses people. And today, well, you have to understand in every single location joining us online, you have to understand that God has chosen you. And I realize some of you recognize this already. You know that God has chosen you to impact a group of people. And yet I'm talking to others that you did not realize this. Today, for the very first time, you're going to begin to realize God has chosen you to impact a group of people. Yes, God has has chosen you. You're chosen by God. The God of heaven and earth has chosen you. Scripture says it like this in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him. God chose you to declare his praises to a group of People, you're chosen by God. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse four. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. Ephesians one, verse four says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. John 15, verse 16. You did not choose him, but I chose you. You didn't chose, choose God. You didn't choose me, Jesus said, and appointed you so that you might go and bear much fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, my Father will give you. Church, it's so important that you understand this. God has chosen you, and he's chosen you for a purpose to bear fruit. He's chosen you to impact a group of people with the love of God. You are chosen by God. And here's what I'm asking God to do. I'm asking God to give you a burden. I'm asking God to stir your heart and to give you a vision for the group of people he's chosen you to impact. Oh God, give us vision. Stir our hearts for the people that you want us to impact in this world, in our community, in our church. Maybe it's tutoring kids. 
kids. Maybe it's being a male presence or a role model for kids or teenagers. Maybe it's helping the homeless or helping the addicted. Or maybe it's being a foster parent or teaching kids about Jesus in our PC kids environments here at church. Maybe God is touching your heart to bring friendliness and joy by being a parking lot greeter or a street greeter or an usher. Maybe God is leading you to help people to take a next step spiritually and to care for people by being a small group leader. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. If you're a Christian, God has chosen you to impact a group of people. God always chooses and uses people to solve problems, to help people to meet needs. And the question is this, if God has chosen us, what keeps us from answering God's call? That's what we're talking about today. Number two, God's chosen people always have to overcome their excuses. And what's standing in the way of some of you being used mightily by God is your excuses. And I've got sympathy. I've got empathy today because I know I have, have a list of excuse, excuses as well. We, I think we all have excuses. They're real. There are real tensions you're facing, real, real pressure. You've got real problems, real issues, real concerns. And you feel like, God, I've got some legitimate reasons of why I can't answer your call on what you want me to do. And I want us to learn today. We got to learn from Gideon. He was a professional excuse maker, and I can so see myself in this story of Gideon. I want us to learn three top excuses you have to overcome. Three top excuses you have to overcome to answer God's call and to impact the group of people God has called you to impact. Here's the, here's the first excuse. The Lord is not with me. The Lord is not with me with me. Let's look at this story in Judges chapter 6 and verse 12. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord, Gideon said, the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. And one of Gideon's top excuses is he feels like God is not even with me. And he actually gives three reasons of why he feels the Lord is not with him. And church, I hear so many Christians that give these same reasons of why they can't be used by God because in one shape, form, or fashion, they believe God's not really with me. And the first is this, I would see more evidence if God is with me. I would see more evidence. I mean, Gideon said, I've heard about all the wonders and the miracles that you did for our ancestors. I, I heard about how, how you parted the Red Sea. I heard about all the manna. I heard about all the miracles that you did. But God, I don't see you moving in my life in that way. Come on, can you relate? God, 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 God you're, you're blessing them. You're, you're helping them. I see you giving that group of people miracles, but I don't see you doing it for me. 
God, I see you blessing them big time and you answered their prayers and you showed up in their life, but God, I don't see you doing the same thing for me. And we can start to feel like, God, I don't know if you're really with me. I can't do what you want me to do. I don't see enough evidence in my life. I don't see you moving in the way that I think you should be moving. And because of that, I don't think I can do what you want me to do. And so God, if you want me to answer the call, you better make it clear. You better fill this room up with some smoke. I don't see any evidence. I mean, Lord, if you want to use me, it better be an audible voice. You better send a mighty Russian wind like you did in Acts chapter number one and two. You better send somebody with a word from God for my life. Because we start to feel like we don't see enough evidence of God working in our life. I don't see evidence that God is with me, so I'm not going to answer his call. Here's the second thing Gideon said. He said, I would have a better life if God was with me. Did you hear what Gideon said a moment ago? He said, why has all this happened to us? I mean, if God is with us, why isn't our life better than what it is? Why the tragedy, God? Why the slavery? Why are we going hungry? Why are we going through all of this? Why the pain? Why so many bad things? If God wanted to use me to make a difference, Gideon was saying, my life would be better. Gideon, come here, Gideon, 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 Gideon. Your circumstances do not determine your calling. Somebody needs to hear that today. Your circumstances do not determine your calling. God does. You're chosen in spite of your circumstances. God has chose you to impact a group of people. Gideon went on to say, I would not have this bondage in my life if God was with, was with me. Gideon said to God, God, why are we in bondage to our enemies again? I mean, God, if you're with us, you brought us out of Egypt. We, at one point, God, you freed us from bondage and we got out of freedom from, from Egypt. You sent this man named Moses and we got free and our people walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. We, we got in the desert and you rained down manna from heaven and we were free and we, we, ate, we ate, ate food from the sky you provided. You provided water, water from a rock. I mean, God, we were living free. And if you were really with us, we wouldn't be back in bondage again to the Midians. And I see a lot of Christians that feel that way. God, if you were really with me, I wouldn't have fallen back into that bondage again. God, if you really wanted to use my life, if you were really with me, I wouldn't have fallen back into that same sin again, that same addiction again, that same stronghold again. I wouldn't have fallen back into that, that, those wrong people groups again. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have fallen back into that bad relationship again. I wouldn't have fallen back into that habit again. God, if you were really with me, if your hand was with me, I would not be in this bondage again. And I want someone to hear this. In spite of your bondage, God has chosen you. You're chosen by God. And so I want you to hear your pastor today. Stop disqualifying yourself. And when you understand that you're chosen by God, when you're in the middle of your bondage, it will cause you 
to turn from your sin and turn from your mess and turn to the living God and receive his grace and his mercy because you realize that you're chosen by God. I'm telling you today, your bondage does not determine your calling. Turn from your sin, turn from your mess, turn from your addiction and turn to the living God. Let him forgive you. Let him wipe away your sin and let him use your life. You're chosen by God. Is there anybody else besides your pastor that you messed up since you've been a Christian? Aren't you glad for grace? Aren't you glad for mercy? Aren't you glad for forgiveness that God doesn't give up on us? Gideon, I know you're in bondage, but I've called you. I've chosen you. I want to use you. Let me give you a second top excuse that Gideon gave and many of us give as well, and that is my family is too weak. Notice in Judges chapter 6, verse 15, he says, pardon me, Lord. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan, my family is the weakest in Manasseh. Gideon doesn't believe God has chosen him to impact a group of people because he believes his family is too weak. His family disqualifies him. God, I mean, come on, God, how can you use me? My family does not have enough resources. I mean, look at me, God. Gideon is going, God, look at me. My clan is weak. We don't have resources. My family is poor. We're impoverished. We're struggling to make ends meet. God, how could you use somebody like me with such a lack of resources? And church, hear your pastor's heart today for you. Your resources don't determine your calling. Your financial worth does not determine your spiritual worth. You're chosen by God. I don't care how much money's in your bank account. I don't care the kind of car you drive. I don't care the, neighbor, the neighborhood you live in. You're chosen by God to make a difference for a group of people. And God is trying to speak to Gideon. Gideon, you believe your family's too weak, but your resources don't determine your calling. But God, but God, but God, my family is too busy with life and bills. Gideon has to be like, come on, God, you want me to help a group of people and I can barely help myself? God, don't you see me in this, in this hole? Don't you see me in this pit, in this wine press, trying to, trying to work hard to make ends meet, to help my little weak family? God, you got the wrong person. You can't use me to help a nation. I can barely help myself. Life is way too busy right now, God. And one of the biggest excuses that you and I can give to God is God, we're just, we're too busy. I know that's been one of my excuses. I can think back to before I got married to Tiffany, I was busy. I was in college and school and traveling and preaching and football, I was busy. I got married to Tiffany, I was busy. She was in college finishing up her degree. I was traveling full time, traveling the country, preaching and camps and conventions and churches and going overseas and preaching and, and been to Africa twice and uh, Ukraine, I was preaching, going all around the world, preaching, I, I'm busy. I said, whoo, can't wait to slow down. Praise the Lord, I started a church, busy, busy. Had kids. Lord Jesus, when these kids grow up some, it's busy. Four kids under four. We're busy. Lord, they crying, pooping, strolling, diaper, car seat, my diaper bag. You got it. Ah, it's busy. Let them grow up, Lord. We're busy. Then them jokers grow up. I want to play soccer. 
Lord, we're busy. Busy. Lord, when they get to high school, busy. Lord, when they get out the house, and I know from some of you, oh, pastor, don't go away. They still need you. Grown kids, busy. Grandkids, busy. Workers, busy. Life is, is anybody busy in the house? Come on, you better, yeah, yeah. God, I'm down here taking care of this wheat in this wine press. Brother can barely pay the bills. I'm busy. What you talking about going to help the nation? Your busyness doesn't determine your calling. God's chosen you. You better figure that out. God's chosen you to impact a group of people. But God, but God, but God, my, my family is not connected or recognized. God, God, you know my family, we're weak. People don't know us. We don't have any name recognition. We're not influential. We don't have any clout in the community. We're not connected to the right people. My family's so weak. And some of you feel just like that. You are disqualifying yourself. You feel like you're not chosen. But understand your clan doesn't determine your calling. You're chosen by God. I want that to seek in. You're chosen by God in spite of your family. You're chosen by God. 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 By God, I want you to see a, a third top excuse Gideon gives. He goes on from there to say, I am too weak. Judges chapter 6 and verse 15, he says, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And hold up, God. Here's an even greater problem. I'm the least in my little weak family. And Gideon feels like, God, I'm the worst candidate you can choose. Out of my whole family. God, I'm the worst person. You can choose. I'm the least. You ever felt like that? Whew, I know I have. God, I don't have the talent. How are you choosing me to do that? God, you see, I don't have all the gifts and all the talent. I mean, other people are so, 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 so much more gifted than me. God, God, I'm not spiritual enough. God, I don't know enough of the Bible. God, I don't pray as long as others. God, I'm, I'm, I'm just not spiritual enough to do that. You want somebody else who's way more spiritual than me. God, I'm weak. I'm the least. God, I'm not a leader. How, are you, how do you want me to lead? I can't lead somebody. I can't lead people. God, I'm so weak. You've got the wrong person. God, I don't have the experience. Have you ever whipped out your resume on God? God, look. You know, God, look. God, you got the wrong person. I'm not qualified. I'm the least. I'm the, I'm the weak. And you keep telling me you chose me. I want to help you right now. We're going to get over some excuses today. And we're going to do what God's called us to do. And I want to help you right now. We're going to get over some excuses today. And we're going to do what God's called us to do. Here's what, here's what we're going to do, church. I want to give you four declarations 
you need to make to overcome your excuses. And if you're really struggling with excuses at a high level, and there's some of you are at a high level, I need you to start making these declarations every day. I want you to take these, these scriptures I'm going to give you, and I want you to take these declarations, and I want you to make these declarations every day so that you can overcome your excuses. Here's the first declaration. My God is with me. My God is with me. Judges chapter 6 and verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. If you're a Christ follower, the Lord is with you. You have to stop talking and living like God is not with you. You have to stop saying God is not with me. You got to start saying God is with me. I can overcome this excuse. I can do what he's called me to do because God is with me. No more excuses. God is with me. And then listen to what else God told Gideon. He says this in Judges 6, verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. God says, Gideon, I am with you, and I will be with you. I am with you, and when you step out in faith and do what I called you to do, he said, I will be with you. I am with you. I will be with you. I am with you. I will be with you. I am with you. I will be with you. And sir, ma'am, God is with you as a Christ follower, and as you step out and get over your excuses, he will be with you, and help you to do what he's called you to do would you make that declaration God is with me it'll change how you live your life God is with me a second declaration that you need to make is I am mighty I am mighty notice in Judges 6 verse 12 the Lord is with you mighty warrior some translations say mighty hero some say mighty man of valor Here's what you have to catch here. God did not see Gideon the way he saw himself. Gideon saw himself as weak. I'm the least. But God saw somebody who thought he was the weak and the most least person as a mighty warrior. Church, the way you see yourself is not the way that God sees you. God sees you as mighty, as a mighty warrior. God sees you as a mighty man or woman of valor. God sees you as a mighty hero. God sees you as chosen for greatness. God sees you as a person that's, that's supposed to bear much fruit. God sees you as more than a conqueror. You got to start saying what God says about you. Start saying, I am a mighty warrior. I can overcome these excuses. No more excuses. I'm a mighty warrior. No more excuses. I'm a mighty warrior. God is with me. I'm a mighty warrior. God, I want you to start saying that every day. God is with me I'm a mighty warrior I'm overcoming these excuses number three is this here's a third declaration I have enough I have enough notice this in Judges 6 verse 14 then the, the Lord turned to him and said go in the strength you have Gideon feels weak God I can't help others God I don't have what it takes I don't have any strength I'm not smart enough but God said Gideon what you have is enough. Go in the strength you have. People's church family, you have enough to do what God has called you to do. Stop saying that. Stop saying you don't have enough. Stop saying you're not enough. You have enough to do what God has called you to do. I want you to start saying, I have enough to begin. 
Right now, I have enough to begin. I have enough knowledge to begin, enough skills. I have enough money. I have enough connections. I have enough strength. You have enough today to do what God has called you to do today. You have enough today to do what God's called you to do today. Get started with what you have. What you have is enough. That's a word for somebody today. Because you feel like you don't have enough. And you're trying to project out into 2023. This is not about 2023. You got enough to get started with what God's called you to do today. Get started today. Go in the strength you have. Go in the strength. You had no more excuses. God is with me. I am mighty. I have enough. God is with me. I am mighty. I have enough. Number four is this. The fourth declaration. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. Judges chapter 6, verse 14. He said, go in the strength you have and save Israel. Save Israel. There's a group of people. Save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God told Gideon that his calling was bigger than him. Your calling's not just about you. Quit giving me excuses, Gideon. It's about a group of people who need freedom. People's church, we can't keep giving excuses. You see, our calling is bigger than us. We got to get over our excuses. Your calling is bigger than you. It's about a group of people who needs what you have. They need your care, your wisdom, your love, your encouragement, your help, your resources. There's a group of people that need your mentorship, your discipleship. It's bigger than you. It's about helping the homeless. It's about helping those who need to be fostered in the foster care system. It's about tutoring kids after school. It's about helping people get out of poverty. It's about helping people to get an education. It's about helping people get job skills so they can be market, marketable in the workplace. It's about helping those in prison. Listen, it's bigger than you. It's about drug addicts getting free. It's about helping a single mom in need. It's about teaching kids Jesus in our PC kids classrooms here at church. It's about sharing and showing the love of Jesus and being friendly and making this church warm and welcoming by being a parking lot greeter or an usher or a greeter inside or working a camera. It's, it's about showing the love of God. It's about helping somebody who desperately needs to get connected in our church. They're showing up and they don't have any friends. They're not taking next steps spiritually and God's called you to be a small group leader. It's about helping others. It's bigger than you. Here's two things I'm asking of you today. I'm asking, would you pray about your community impact and your church impact? What's God calling, what group of people is God calling you to impact in the community? And what group of people is he calling you to impact in our church? And I love, I love what God says to Gideon. He said, Am I not sending you? He's sending you. You're chosen. Will you say yes?